Call me the fool. Hello, my name is Jimmy Pop, and I'm a dumb white guy. Welcome to the ravings of a clown on just a radio. I've become Welsh. Prefer being Welsh. Will remain Welsh for the duration of the show. Shanna Flanham, unlike Planet Pluto. I see your Welsh uh, lasted about a few seconds. Hey, you cracked. <laughs> I'm Italian now. <laughs> Wapa. <laughs> I'm gonna be Italian for the duration of the show. Remember you were telling me about the Italian-Irish guy? The pride. The Mick Wap. <laughs> He's an old friend of the shows. I've known the pride since he was 14 years old. Now he's a big muckamuck with the government. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. It is Friday, March the 10th, the year of our Lard 2006, hanging with Sid the Neighbor, the world-famous Sid the Neighbor, in the Jester Radio chat room. Come on by. Bang it! Excuse me. Don't be afraid. <laughs> the doors are open to anybody with two or more testicles. Hanging uh, behind the glass with the Lord of Sin and the Brother of Sin. That's right, the Brother of Sin. The Rebel on the Airwave. The Rebel on the Airwaves. Got his own little show, sitting in tonight, hanging out. 
We gotta see if we can scrape up a microphone for uh, brother or rebel. What do you, what do you prefer to be called? Anything you want, sir. Okay. <laughs> oh, he said, Call sir. You dickhead. <laughs> Faggot. <laughs> and we're gonna take a look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours. And yeah, a little bit of what's happening in that sick fucking world of mine. Just a trivia this evening for ya. So put your thinking caps on and um, and uh, get psyched up for that. And what else we got going, Lord? Now we got a great song list, which I don't know what we're playing yet, but we'll go. That's with right. It. I've even kept the playlist <laughs> secret from Lord of Sin because it's a theme night. On Jest Radio, and I always like to keep that theme to myself until the last split second. That's uh, funny that way. Not that it's like going to be hard to guess after like the first three seconds of the first song, but <laughs> well, I'm kind of thick when it comes to music, so you know you're thick when it comes to everything, bud. Oh, hell. <laughs> An American who was among four Christian activists kidnapped last year in Iraq has been killed. State Department spokesman said today. The FBI verified that a body found in Iraq this morning was that of Tom Fox, 54, of Clearbrook, Virginia. He said that uh, he had no information on the other three hostages. Clay said additional forensics will be done in the U.S. And the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad is investigating. So rest assured, they'll get to the bottom of that. Fox's family has been notified. Our heartfelt condolences go out to them. The State Department continues to call for the unconditional release of all hostages in Iraq. They're just snatching them up off the streets over there. It's a good place for our people to be. President Bush, meanwhile, said today that the collapse of the Dubai ports deal could hurt U.S. efforts. This guy's got a fucking skull like thick as a brick. First, he fucking hoodwinked you good people into just almost slipping it past you without anybody knowing what was going on that the fucking Arabs were going to buy six U.S. seaports. <laughs> Figured he'd slip it past you. And the New York Times did an article about it, and then the White House came out and instead of said, yeah, maybe we should look at that. They said, no, fuck you. We thought it was a good idea because, you know, those bushes are in like Flynn with the Arabs. They've been kissing buds for decades because they're old Bush oil money. And they love them Zarabs. So then they uh, asked the Coast Guard, and they said, do you think it's a good idea? And the Coast Guard said, no. <laughs> it's hard enough to keep the Arabs off the fucking shore without owning the seaports. So he said, you know what? Never mind. Forget I even asked you. I'm just going <laughs> to do whatever. And then de- never mentioned you know, to anybody, no congressional panel, no blue ribbon committee. Just... Until, until the New York Times came along. Bush struck a defiant tone today with the Republic-led, Republican-led Congress whose new willingness to buck him has taken its most dramatic form with this uh, ports controversy. The president said he was open to improving the government's method of reviewing such transactions, but he insisted his administration's approval of the deal had posed no security risk and that the reversal could have the opposite effect. Get this load of horse shit. Now he's going to try and say that if the Arabs aren't running the seaports, then it'll be more dangerous. Check out this argument. 
I'm concerned about a broader message this issue could send to our friends and allies around the world, particularly in the Middle East, he said. Now, he also went on to say, in order to win the war on terror, because he doesn't say terror, as you know, he says terror, terror. we've got to strengthen our friendships with moderate Arab countries in the Middle East. So, now... Let me see, see if I get this straight. According to my sixth grade, uh, you know, civics, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Libya, Afghanistan, I mean, not Afghanistan anymore, Iran, they're all totalitarian dictatorships. Masquerading as monarchies with phony baloney kings and princes and all that horse shit, but they're just dictatorships. There's, you know, usually if there's a monarchy, it lasts for thousands of years. These monarchies go back 40 years to the last fucking warlord that overthrew the fucking previous one. So these are the people that Bush says that you need to get closer to. <laughs> and that's why it's there's a bad idea to not let... Yeah, some fancy reasoning, <laughs> fa fancy footwork there. It's, that's why it's a bad idea to not let the Dubai company r run these six strategically important East Coast seaports. Because we don't want to piss off the good Arabs. <laughs> you fucking imagine. Meanwhile, NASA spacecraft, you know what you want your president to say is what you feel. You want him to say, we don't want those fucking, you know, the, those filthy fucking towel heads in our country, much less running the fucking ports in our country. That's what you want him to say. If he was really your fucking president. NASA spacecraft successfully slipped into orbit around Mars today, joining a trio of orbiters already circling the red planet. Scientists cheered after the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter emerged from the planet's shadow and signaled to NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab that the maneuver was a success. I'm very relieved, Project Manager Jim Graff said minutes later. It was picture perfect. The two-ton spacecraft is the most sophisticated ever to arrive at Mars and is expected to uh, gather more data on the red planet than all the previous Martian missions combined. Mars is so fucking cool, man. Mars is probably the most likely place of life in our solar system, or previous life. There's so much cool shit to be learned up there. In fact, that they believe that uh, like 80 years ago, a um, hunk of Mars landed on the Earth, a meteorite that was identified as being from Mars, because they could tell by you know, radio telescope, what Mars is made of, and then they just tested the chunk and it was made of the same shit. And they found in it, did you ever read about this, nope. Lord? They found no, in it microscopic, what they believe may be microscopic fossils of microbes hmm. that were living on Mars, you know, millions of years ago. Let's party it up. Let's get up there. So there could be, uh, you know... You imagine the fucking babe scene up there on Mars? <laughs> They're going to have this little check. All the pussies yeah. are sideways. You can go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll be the first Get to go, there. man. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to go to fucking Mars. 
Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Friday, March the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Please don't fuck with that dial. Great uh, show coming up for you. Tull kicks it off. When I was young and they packed me off to school and they taught me how not to play the game. And they packed me off to school. <laughs> Leave it where it is. I didn't mind if they groomed me for success <laughs> Or if they said that I was just a fool So I left there in the morning With a god tucked underneath my arm The half-assed smiles and the book of rules and I asked this God a question And by way of reply He said, I'm not the kind you have to wind up on Sundays So to my old headmaster And to anyone who cares Before I'm through, I'd like to say
When I was young And they packed me Off to school And they taught me How not To play the game I didn't mind If they groomed me For success Or if they said That I was just a fool So to my old headmaster And to anyone who cares Before I'm through I'd like to say my friend Well you can excommunicate me On my way to Sunday school And have all the bishops Come and I don't believe you. You had the whole damn thing all wrong. He's not the kind you have to wind up on Sundays, Jethro Tull, and wind up this Friday, March the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2006. <coughs> wow. You're right there? I'll be right Bob, back. Bob. Yeah, you know. Hanging behind the glass with Lordison and the Rebel on the Airwaves. In Jester Radio Studios, the five veto-holding members of the Security Council considered proposals today to pressure Iran into resolving questions about its nuclear program, including demands that it abandon its uranium enrichment and stop construction on a reactor. So there's going to be a shoe-down, folks, I predict, in the fall. The U.N., you know, takes their time. Of course, there's no predicted time that they're going to meet about this. could be a day, a week, a month, a year. And the Security Council, which is made up of, you know, United States and Russia and China. Republic of... <laughs> That's a crock. Anyway. They're going to vote on whether or not... Um, the Iran can go ahead with a nuclear program. It's upsetting the world that Iran has nukes. Because they made it perfectly clear they're not one of these countries that are making nukes to protect themselves. No, no. They've made it perfectly clear that the first thing they're going to do when they get a nuke is they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Because they don't believe it has a right to exist. They made that perfectly clear numerous times. So this has become a concern to the world. <laughs> They've all getting, they're all getting together and they're thinking, hmm, maybe we should warn them not to. Russia indicated it was uncomfortable with the Security Council taking any significant action at all, fearful that Iran can spurn negotiations entirely at a time when the West fears the Islamic State is determined to have nuclear weapons. Britain, France, and the United States are seeking a tough statement aimed at pressuring Iran while Russia wants the council to remain in the background. And China is believed to side with Russia. So the Chinese and the Ruskies are pussies. And plus, they're up to their puppets with the Iranians. That's China gets most of its oil from Iran. Mm. 
So uh, deep shit over there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I I'm not really concerned about this negotiation issue. I think it should be very simple. They should say stop with the nukes, and you have like an hour and forty five minutes. And when they don't comply, just carpet bomb them. <laughs> Back to the fucking Flintstones. <laughs> Take care of it before they have the weapons. So. That's all. That's all. <laughs> we can't really be sure where exactly the bombs are. So we're just covering all of Iran. It's not a very big country. So we're just sending in, you know, one fucking sortie after another for a couple of weeks. Morning, noon, and night until somebody says, you know, Allah! All right. <laughs> we stop. <laughs> Iraq's president, meanwhile, issued a decree today calling the new parliament into session March 19th for the first time since it was elected nearly three months ago, saying it feared catastrophe and civil war. If politicians don't put aside their differences, U.S. Ambassador Zalmaid Khalazid said that he hoped leaders of all Iraqi factors would join. Uh, soon and join him in a place outside Baghdad to talk around the clock to resolve political feuds. Most visibly over the proposed second term candidacy of Prime Minister Ibrahim al-Jafari who's a Shiite. Nobody wants that. The stakes are high for the Americans, of course, who want a strong and functioning central government in place quickly to enable Washington to begin removing some of the 132,000 troops this summer. 132,000 children are over there. Holy Mary, Mother of God. How the fuck did that happen? I thought there was less. I thought it was like 20,000, 30,000 over there. In Washington, President Bush acknowledged today that the bombing of a Shiite Muslim shrine late last month and the subsequent sectarian violence, which led uh, to hundreds of deaths, has nearly derailed the U.S. goal. There's no question there was violence and killing, Bush said. <laughs> Ever on the fucking sharpest attack, that boy. No question people died. Absolutely. There was death. There was violence. There was blood. We're okay with that. Um, he said in advance a series of speeches he plans to uh, campaign to convince Americans that the United States is on the right path to defeat Iraqi terrorists and insurgents. Can you imagine? They're on the right path. And the evidence of it is... That Civil dozens of more are dying every day, and they're fucking blowing each other up. And that's just keeping count of the people that are there. And they're that's slowly just, dying off. That's right. And that's keeping count. And, you know, uh, the Iraqis, we have no idea how many of those have died. That's just keeping count of the Americans and the, and the allies. We're on the right track. Nobody, we're we're totally on the right track. Gambino crime family, Scion, J John A. Jr. Gotti dodged a legal bullet for the second time. In six months today, when a federal jury deadlocked on racketeering charges against him, leading to a mistrial, U.S. District Court Judge Shira Scheindlin excused jurors. Isn't that uh, the People's Court judge? That's Judy Scheindlin. Oh, Judy Scheindlin. Said that they were at an impasse despite less than two full days of deliberations. So they only deliberated for two days, and they said, no, no, no can do. We all got our checks this morning, so we're going home. <laughs> Because you know these guys are all paid off, all these fucking jurors, right? Didn't we just see that movie? Runaway Jury. Runaway Jury. They're all mm -hmm. fucking paid off. Come on. Prosecutors quickly said that they intended to... I mean, this guy is one of the... Is, his father is one of the most powerful fucking people in organized crime ever. They can get to one of those fucking jurors. 
Prosecutors quickly said they intended to try Gotti 42 for the third time, and the judge indicated that she would set a new trial date on Monday. I'm happy, said Gotti, who hugged his mother after leaving the courtroom. I'm financially ruined, but what are you going to do? You imagine he's financially ruined, and my balls are square. (laughs) The mistrial came after jurors sent out a note that further deliberations would be fruitless. His his legitimate businesses are ruined. Right. But the prostitution, gambling, and narcotics, they're doing just fine. Mistrial came after jurors sent out a note that further deliberations would be fruitless. We're completely deadlocked, the note said. More time will not change the views in this room. We all got our checks, and we ain't budging. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Dar Williams, please don't touch that dial. Rana Nancy got the house but said Nancy rule. I died eight years ago, I'm still a legend at my high school. I stole a Chevy and I wrapped it round a tree. That's okay cause no one's gonna make the next century. I'm up in heaven now, they said I'm gonna stay and the angels sing every day Hallelujah 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 got everything It's gonna drive me mad Cause it looks just like I've been through I am party that my mother had It's like the worst Elvis film I've ever seen Technicolor blue I want on Technicolor green There's camping trips and donkey rides And singing on the fire Surfing, but they can't get me in the choir. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, but there she was this morning getting fitted for her wings. Leather boots, magenta hair, and saying nasty things. I say she was an angel, but a stupid and it's obvious. I said you'll hate it here, cause we're the only ones that cause this crypto-fascist mania. It's still a condolorium. Yeah, she said you're right, but I like the cavadilla. Oh, hey God, where the bad kids were so nasty, mean, and vile. God looks like a guidance counselor, God's got that smile. God says, how could this be? That's really odd, I guess I'll have to check my record ceiling. He you know I'm only
Leonard Cohen on Jester Radio, before that, Dar William and Alleluia, two completely different songs in meaning. The first one was about uh, a, a high school girl who dies and goes to heaven and meets God, and God looks like her guidance counselor. And the second one is really has nothing to do with religion, tonight's theme. But it seems to go very well with that uh, Dar Williams. It's really about sex nothing to do with religion it's sort of how uh, sex is kind of like a spiritual experience but it's really just about coming (laughs) hey you're listening to the ravings of a clown on jester radio it's friday march the 10th the year of our lord 2006 hanging behind the glass with the lord of sin and rebel without a cause coming up next hour or is it rebel in the rebel in the tub what's it called Rebel on the Radio. Rebel on the Radio. <laughs> and you can find them on uh, Audio Realm by searching for... Uh, Sin Brothers. Sin Brothers. Sin Brothers. Sin Brothers. Because they're devoted to the promotion of sin. That's right. Isn't that right? That's they right. They believe in the dark arts. <laughs> <Yes>. Dark arts. <laughs> and you mean like networking? Whatever is dark for you, we're into it. Well, then. I guess that sort of means like black magic and. Well, well <laughs> doing all the things not you're not supposed to do, I would presume. I mean, it's not that. That's fine with me, anyway, because it's not like it does anything. I'd rather have you wackos locked up in a closet praying to some fictitious demon <laughs> than actually out in the street doing anybody any harm. Well. Unless they want us to. Kill, you know, <laughs> d- b- b- uh, uh, dissect all the chickens you want. doesn't affect me whatsoever. Well, it's a good business. <laughs> a good business. <laughs> Except for my children. Well, there's a sucker born every minute. That's true. <laughs> and no shortages of those. No, 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 no. 
The FBI said today that there's no specific credible threat of a terror attack aimed at college basketball arenas or any other sports stadiums for that matter, but acknowledged alerting law enforcement to a recent Internet posting discussing such attacks. Apparently, somebody posted on some of one of the millions of, uh, you know, threaded message boards on the web that, hey, it would probably be very effective to go to a hockey game or a college basketball game because it's cold and you wear like a big heavy jacket and a bunch of terrorists can go in there and blow everybody up. So some retard, you know, mentions this on a bulletin board and the FBI issued a warning. The FBI and Homeland Security Department distributed an intelligence bulletin today to state and local law enforcement nationwide describing the online threat against sporting venues. This is what they're spending your hard-earned money on, folks. Somebody posted a message out in the open, not encrypted or encoded or beaten out of somebody by, you know, or or tortured out of somebody by connecting a fucking car battery to their scrotum, but just somebody posted on a bullet board and they've issued a threat. So if they're issuing threats about shit like this, then they're obviously getting nothing because we don't see any other threats that come from these secret sources. So we have absolutely no credible intelligence or threats pertaining to this issue with conference tournaments taking place this weekend and the NCAA tournament scheduled to begin next week. The bulletin was sent out out of an abundance of caution. According to the uh, special agent Richard Kalko, We've been in touch with Homeland Security and the FBI, said NCAA spokesman Eric Christensen. We do not believe there is an imminent threat. We are in constant communication with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies. You imagine the basketball team is in touch, constant touch. They're all protected, huh? (laughs) Fucking (laughs) basketball people are protected to the gills. We're in constant communication with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies, including Homeland Security and the FBI. This is not new. We're in regular contact with all these law enforcement agencies at every level. Jeez, you think he's in contact? <laughs> what about he only nuts, mentioned man. it like three fucking times. <laughs> yeah, so, so if you come, so we got yeah, him on speed It's dial. perfectly safe. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Everybody out to the ball game. Three college students suspected of a string of Alabama church fires may have been hanging out drinking when they began their spree. This is... <laughs> This is the investigation has revealed thus far. Benjamin Nathan Mosley and Russell Lee D. Busk Jr., both 19-year-old theater students at Birmingham Southern College, were arrested this week along with 20-year-old Matthew Lee Cloyd, who was studying pre-med at the University of Alabama at Birmingham throughout the month-long investigation. It took them a month to figure out they were maybe schlanging a couple of brews. Throughout the month-long That's investigations, the authorities said alcohol could have been led could have led to a warped bravado that sparked the arsons. And initial, you get that little pun there? It sparked the arsons. <laughs> and initial interviews with the suspects bore out the theory. Wow. There's some crack police work. However, Deputy State Fire Marshal Ed Polk, who uh, was involved in the investigation, said uh, he did not know if alcohol was a direct fact. <laughs> so, so even the fire chief said, mm, I don't think so. Actually. This is what they're going to build a defense on, huh? We were inebriated. <laughs> it was the alcohol's fault. Doesn't matter. They still took the alcohol. Yeah. Judge gave former nurse 
who killed at least 29 patients in two states, six or more life sentences Friday, raising the, I should say six more, raising the total to 18. After a hearing in which the defendant had to be gagged with a cloth and duct tape, Charles Cullen, who committed one of the worst murder sprees ever discovered in the U.S. healthcare system, spent 30 minutes repeating the same sentence over and over again. Your Honor, you need to step down. He said it hundreds of times. Your Honor, you need to step down. As a demonstration, the Lord will now say it 300 times. Go ahead, bud. <laughs> Your, Your Honor, Honor, you, you need, need to, to step down. That's enough. <laughs> Colin, that's enough. <laughs> Colin, who was sentenced last week to 11 consecutive life terms in New Jersey, administered lethal overdoses to seven patients at nursing homes and hospitals in Pennsylvania, tried to kill three others. Colin had tried to avoid showing up at the various sentencing hearings. Uh, today, he told Lehigh County President Judge um, William Platt that he was upset over comments the judge had made in a newspaper article in which uh, Platt said that he was inclined to make Colin show up at sentencing. He was upset that the judge was quoted in an article saying, yeah, I'd like him to come to the to the trial. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if he showed up. To show up. Colin then began repeating the statement and refused to stop, even after being gagged. The hearing went on anyway. Walter Henn... The son-in-law victim, Irene Krapf, had to raise his voice to be heard over Colin. We think you're a total waste of human flesh, Hen said. And you know what, Charles Colin? God agrees with us. And we all hope you rot in hell. So apparently uh, Mrs. Hen is personal spokesman for Lord Almighty. Indeed. So does we're all just for the hell of it? I mean, not requested by anybody, just often? No, he claims that they were like old and feeble. He says that he was a mercy killer, that all of the 30 people that he killed were all, you know, in pain. He claims to have killed 40 patients over a 16-year nursing career. He said he killed out of mercy. Many of his victims were old and sick. He was arrested in December 2003 after Somerset Medical Center in Somerville, New Jersey, notified prosecutors about questionable lab results involving patients under his care. So the hospital started noticing the the old people were cacking as soon as he walked in the room. And they said, "Mm, maybe we should, you know, do some blood tests on these people. And then they called the coppers. The case prompted lawmakers in both states to pass legislation protecting hospitals and nursing homes from legal action when reporting uh, disciplinary actions against employees. So they were worried that if they ratted out this nurse, that, of course, they would be prosecuted themselves. So it prompted these states to introduce laws that said, don't worry, you can rat out your own staff. So that way, you know, they'll, they won't have, you know, the incentive not to do it, obviously, mm-hmm. and encourage them, to, you know, to get rid of the, the bad eggs. It's a nutty world we live in. you imagine a fucking nurse killing 40 people? He's a hun. You're a hun. That's his excuse. He's a hun like me. Actually, he's not a hun, but he does have a mean look. He's a young guy. And he's a mean-looking motherfucker. There he is. You see him? Looks Irish. He does <laughs> look Irish. He Actually, he looks German, to tell you the truth. And his name is Cullen. Cullen. That's a German name. Charles isn't. Not, uh, Hitler's uh, mother's name was Cullen. 
Schweigen, fliegen, fliegen. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown this Friday, March the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Request lines are now officially open. Coming up next hour is the um, thing. What's coming up next hour? We have Jester Trivia. This Jester morning. Trivia coming up. So put on your thinking caps. Don't touch that dial. More of what you tune into Jester Radio for.
that feeling of peace. This friend of mine said, Close your eyes and try a few of these. I thought I was flying like a bird so far above my sorrow, but when I looked down, I was standing on my knees. Now I need someone to help me. Someone to help me Baby, if you need me Like I know I need you There's just one thing I'll ask you to do Take my hand and lead me To the hole in your garden wall so hard to come by that feeling of peace this friend of mine said close your eyes and uh, try a few of these and i thought i was flying like a bird so high above my sorrow but when i looked down i was standing on my knees and now i need someone to help me someone to help me please baby if you can see me out across this wilderness, there's just one thing I was hoping you might guess, that you can free me through the hole in your garden wall and pull me through. <laughs> pull me through. Jackson Brown on Jester Radio and your bright baby blues. Great double entendre in that song. I could see it in your eyes. You got those bright baby blues. So he's talking about the color of her eyes and the fact that she's a smart chick, you know, and she's getting shit for it, you know, the smart chick blues. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Jesus Night. Welcome. Welcome to <laughs> Jesus Night. It's Friday, March the, th uh, the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2006. And uh, uh, all our music uh, this evening uh, is uh, related to religion, not uh, necessarily in a, you know, you know, a religious song, but song. maybe songs that are spiritual, or maybe songs that um, refer to, you know, being on your fucking knees, <laughs> <laughs> like that one. Tell, but, tell yeah, me about the blow as, job. As uh, Rebel says, it's basically a superficial theme. It's not anything heavy. <laughs> it's surface. It, it's a total surface it's theme. Surface. It's a completely surface theme. <laughs> A lot of the themes we do here at Jester Radio like are really complicated, like they're all the same keyboard player, you know, or 
They're all like, you know, uh, songs that refer to this previous song or, you know, something like that. But tonight it's just Jesus music. The Nigerian (laughs) government anxious to avoid a repeat of riots that marked the solar eclipse back in 2001 warned citizens they may suffer psychological uh, psychological discomfort during a new eclipse this month, but urge them not to panic. This is now. This is what's going on in Nigeria. Here we sit in our homes, wherever you are right now, in 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 Tokyo or a suburb of of uh, Vancouver or uh, New York City or Los Angeles, and it's hard to imagine. I don't care if you're fifty, sixty, eighty years old. It's hard to imagine that there are people out there who panic in the street when there's an eclipse. That's how fucking backward they are. Information Frank Nwecki said that an eclipse five years ago caused riots in northern Borneo state because people didn't know what the fuck happened. So what better to do to appease the gods than to immediately run in the streets and start hurling heavy objects at each other? <laughs> Spear chuckers, eh? Some Fire. people, I mean, some people even felt that some evil people in the communities were responsible for the eclipse. Oh. So they immediately, like, burned half a dozen niggers, you know? <laughs> he said in a statement yesterday aimed at reassuring Nigerians that the eclipse is expected to darken parts of the country on March 29th. The eclipse is not expected to have any real damaging effect. Only social and psychological discomforts are envisaged, Nweki said. So in Africa, we have the situation where we have one guy saying envisaged because he speaks such perfect fucking English (laughs) and the other vast majority of the millions of people who riot in the streets during an eclipse. So this is the effect, of course. This is always what you get in dictatorships. You get this really wacky imbalance of power and and education. (laughs) So you have the people in the government who use the word envisage, and you have the people in the street throwing rocks at each other because they can't see the sun in the middle of the day. <laughs> nobody, nobody even thinks maybe it's a cloud or something. They just go apeshit. How long do those last? Like a a set, min- you know, a, a couple of minutes, you know, minutes. until it starts un-eclipsing, right. <laughs> waning, as they say, waxing and waning. So how long do the riots last? <laughs> weeks. Like, weeks at a time. <laughs> it's like Mardi Gras. Oh, oh shit, it's the chicks dark. Show their, chuck some spears. The chicks actually, in this, in this Mardi Gras, the, ch- the chicks cover their tits. <laughs> Put some war paint on their titties and fucking start. No, because they normally, this is fucking Nigeria, they normally walk around with them dangling out. Right. So as a, as a celebration, they, they cover them. So it's just like... Cover your tits. Cover your tits. <laughs> the orgy and matrix. Is this thing. not the same country that has the gold necklaces? Do they bang those together too? That's right. They wear those. Uh, they they stretch their necks out like giraffes. What's that? So they can see over the and lights? then they and then they take them off and bang them together. Is that? I wonder if that helps deep throating or something. You know. Only you would want. <laughs> no, I, I thought of that. <laughs> stretch neck. I mean. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I gotta tell you the truth. I I shudder to think what kind of funky sexual shit is going on. These are people that uh, run amok in the streets when there's an eclipse. Surely their parents, (laughs) somebody back in history, even in Nigeria, must have seen an eclipse. Are they doing this every time there's an eclipse for thousands (laughs) of years? Don't they ever get 
I mean, how fucking, what kind of people are these that they're rioting in the streets? I mean, I can understand how they rioted in the fucking, you know, in in Harlem in the summer of 68. I can understand how they rioted out in, you know, 86 with Rodney King. But, you know, because there was some kind of social cause going on. But oh was, shit, was, no honey! <laughs> I'm looking out the window. I can't see the the sun. Where's my baseball bat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go kick some fucking nigger ass. Give me a spear! <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Prostitutes in the Brazilian city of Salvador are starting up their own radio station. The Association of Prostitutes of the Bahia State has won government permission for the project, enabling FM station Radio Zona. To start broadcasting in the second half of the year, project coordinator Sandro Correa said yesterday, we're not going to apologize for prostitution, but we are going to struggle for the dignity of the profession, Correa told Jester Radio. And then they gave us all a complimentary blowjob. The aim was not to attract women to the business. The station will feature programs about the trade. There'll be programs about prostitution. Hot dang. Man, I'm so fucking sorry we're not getting the station. (laughs) They're going to have programs about these are the bitches we have, gentlemen. When you come in, you have your choice of half and half around the world. (laughs) We could lube you up like a lima bean. (laughs) Whatever you fucking need. (laughs) We got it. (laughs) You imagine they'll they'll have programs about the trade. But we'll also discuss such issues as human rights, social questions, and sexual abuse, abuse, because you know what bright women whores usually are. I was once with a whore, and um, she said to me, uh, where did you stay when you were in Florida? I said, I stayed at the Yankee Clipper, Hotel Yankee Clipper. She went, oh, I guess they call it that because the Yankees stay there when they go to Florida. <laughs> I said, yeah. Yep, <laughs> the Yankee Clipper. That's, That's right. The idea is that we have the diverse... That's about the only conversation I ever had with a whore. Of the 50 or 60 whores I fucked, that was the longest conversation I had. The idea is that we have diverse programs that look at health issues, AIDS, prevention, and racism, for example, she said. Working girls and media professionals such as Correa will staff the station and will give prostitutes training in an alternative job. Funding will come from the Association Fund Advertising and Sponsorship Prostitution is widespread in Brazil, especially in Bahia State and other parts of the impoverished Northeast. International rights organizations have criticized the country as a destination for sex tourism and child prostitution. Well, scratch me off the list for that second one because I can't even get a boner if there's a kid in the next room. So, but sex tourism, man, I am totally down for that. Come yeah. and get inexpensive, hot fucking sex from professional <laughs> bitches who don't care that you fucking roll over and fall asleep afterwards. No, I don't want that. Keep me away <laughs> from that. I believe that me and uh, Lord of Sin have our travel plans already set for that destination. <laughs> so what, what's the promotion after, uh, after you're just a whore? What's the, what's the next job up? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean just a whore? I believe that prostitution is one of the most notes up there with teaching and, and <laughs> building homes. I think being a prostitute is a noble profession. Wonderful thing a person can do with their life. Giving love to people. The, the name one fucking bomb that was set off while a guy was having sex. 
Doesn't happen. <laughs> I believe someone was screwing in Hiroshima when that happened. <laughs> I think there was actually burn prints of that one. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> they was running. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, there, there had to be one smart one going there. You got five seconds left to live. Must go. Uh, you know, those guys who uh, did the 9-11 thing, they were f- uh, uh, fucking uh, women. One guy was married. They were all fucking women. They were all breaking all the fucking laws of Islam. You know why? Because I truly believe that in every person's heart of hearts, deep down inside their gizzard, everybody really, really knows there is no fucking God. You hear about priests who fuck five-year-old kids up the ass, and you ask yourself, the guy's supposed to be an expert on what happens to you if you do this. He's got to know that he's going to fucking hell. So you ask yourself, how do you fucking do it? How is somebody uh, uh, who really believes that such a thing is a sin do it? And the answer is really very simple. There is only one reasonable answer. It's because he doesn't really believe it. Because deep down inside of us, we're all reasonable people. And the idea of, you know, some magic, you know, monster in the sky who watches over everybody and and is everywhere at once is a wonderful thing. But, you know, once you hit 13, 14, you realize that ain't going on. And once you reach an adulthood and you see that people go flying into fucking airplanes into office buildings, killing thousands of people, you know there is no fucking God. Every time I hear people say, oh, my mother's going in for toe surgery tomorrow, would you pray for her? And I'm thinking, yeah, sure, because God really listens to prayers. Because those fucking children and women who were hurtling towards their death at the World Trade Center, they weren't praying to God. But no, God couldn't be, he was too busy to save them, but he's going to help your mom, your, 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 your mother with her toe. Sure, I'll pray for her. That makes fucking sense. I'll beg the monster in the sky to make sure your your mom's toe doesn't get infected. Yeah, that's what I'll be doing with my day tomorrow. How fucking, I mean, how infantile do you have to fucking be? And I believe that no, you, 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 they're not. That everybody really knows deep down in their heart of hearts that it's just us. We wouldn't be making this shit up if we didn't have such heavy, horrible, disturbing questions like, how the fuck did we get here? What's the purpose to my fucking life? So we have these you know, questions that fucking haunt us night and day. And what do we do? We make shit up. That sounds like it, it explains it. You know, back in the ancient fucking times, they believed that when the sun rose, it was because a guy on a chariot was dragging the sun across the sky. On a chariot, no less. That was the state of the art technology that this god was using. He didn't even have like a, you know, or some kind of me- mechanized equipment. He was on a fucking chariot. So we, you know, wh- whatever our facts are, whatever we fucking know, obviously, you know, it changes over the years, <laughs> and we know shit. <laughs> We know absolutely shit. The more we know, the less. The more we know, the more we know, the less we know. And it's fucking horrible. And we make this f- fucking mythology up, and we feed it to our fucking children with the fucking bunny rabbit who spits out chocolate eggs, and the fucking monster in the sky who can see them when they're jerking off. You know, when my when I was a kid, 
My father comes into my room and he, I got busted jerking off. And my father walked in the room and he said, you know, um, if you continue to do that, it'll stunt your growth and um, you'll go blind. And I said, I'm over here, shorty. <laughs> James Taylor on Jester Radio. Don't touch that dial. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song. I just can't remember who to send it to. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you again Won't you look down upon me, Jesus You gotta help me make a stand just got to see me through another day My body's aching and my time is at hand I won't make it any other way Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you again Been walking my mind to an easy time My back turned towards the sun Lord knows when the cold wind blows It'll turn your head around well, there's hours of time on the telephone line To talk about things to come Sweet dreams and flying machines In pieces on the ground Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend but I always thought that I'd see you, baby, one more time again. Thought I'd see you one more time again. There's just a few things coming my way this time around now. Thought I'd see you, thought I'd see you. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. 
I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. <laughs> something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. And just between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, <laughs> if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another one of these mindless religious robots blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit,
That's right, honey. Thank the Lord. Hey, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's right, honey. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you tuned into uh, the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio this Friday, uh, March the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2006. That was the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Give thanks. You know, I was raised on that gospel nigger music. As many of you know, my nanny was a 450-pound mentally disturbed woman from a dirt floor shack in Alabama and uh, would beat me within an inch of my life for the first, uh, you know, seven years of my life uh, on a daily basis. But on the other hand, she was bipolar, so on the other hand, she was very sweet sometimes and very loving, and she would also give us uh, the most amazing food. She was an unbelievable cook. She was like four foot nine, and she weighed 450 pounds, and um, she made fried chicken and chitlins and um, collard greens and grits and corn uh, fritters and all the most amazing soul food. That was what <laughs> I was raised up in, in a mansion, in a fucking 31-room th- th- mansion, you know, with, uh, you know, two kitchens. And, and uh, uh, <laughs> I, I grew up eating soul food. Kind of weird. Never told me about the 31 rooms. It was a it was a motherfucker. I told you where I grew up. Yeah, you said it was big, not that big. It was <laughs> big. It was big. It was huge. A lot of people would come in and say only one family lives here. But um, you guys have a lot of get-togethers there. Friends and family staying over in the extra rooms. We did. We did. We had lots and lots of bedrooms, and we had lots of parties. There was a barbecue room that was like half the size of the whole basement floor. And it was like this big stone indoor patio with a fireplace like five people could stand inside of. Like this monster fucking, you know, indoor fireplace. But it was called the barbecue room and it sort of led out to the backyard and over to the pool. And my parents used to have parties there, you know, with 100, 120 people, you know, just in that room. They would have parties of 400 people upstairs. Big old ballroom or something. Yeah, well, several rooms. Uh, <laughs> was there a designated pot room? They were very, very... The designated pot room was my brother Johnny's uh, dark room because we would just turn the orange light on and nobody was allowed to come in. And he had a ventilation system in there because of the chemicals that they built in. So we'd turn on these fucking like amazing Hoover... You know, things that would suck the fucking smoke right out. It was amazing. It was great. It was perfect. And my mother would be upstairs going, oh, they love to develop film. They just develop so much film. Have you ever seen any of these pictures? No. But they're in there constantly developing. And then when they come out, they're very hungry. Hard work. Me and my three brothers used to go into that dark room. It was pretty much the only thing we did together except party. But we went into that dark room together. My parents weren't suspicious for like the first five or six years. But then they caught on. How old were you then? When I first started smoking herb? Yeah. I was 11. Wow. Till you were 16. I was 11, man. My brother Neil, my brother Johnny came into my bedroom. I was 11 years old. (laughs) And he fucking... uh, 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 Let me backtrack a second. 
Johnny finds out that Neil is smoking pot. Neil is 13, and he went smoke pot at school or something. You know, this is uh, 1973. No. No, what am I saying? It's like 60... Uh, it's like uh, 70, 1970. And Johnny finds out that Neil smokes pot, and Neil says to Johnny, look, man, I just told you, you can't fucking tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. It's just a complete, it's just a secret between you and me. And Johnny went, no fucking problem. He walked out of Neil's room, through the bathroom, into my room, and he goes, Neil smokes pot. (laughs) I think he made it like two and a half seconds. (laughs) <laughs> wow! <laughs> before he came in he blurted it out I was watching TV in my bedroom and he just comes in and he goes Neil smokes pot and I thought to myself holy shit here it is 11 years old I had heard about it I knew it was going to eventually come to roost in my own home but oh my god the fucking satanic weed the evil fucking drug I had heard so many bad things people die become disfigured fall down a fucking well and, you know, become psychotic and everything. I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, what's going to become of me and my family now that drugs has come into my happy suburban home? And I looked up at Johnny and I said, I want some. <laughs> and Neil comes fucking running in the room. He goes, I told you not to fucking tell him. <laughs> no, you want some, too. <laughs> I said, I want some, man. What are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> So that day was your first time, huh? That was my first time into the dark room. George Carlin, before that, there is no God. James Taylor started that set, Fire and Rain. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Friday, March the 10th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Coming up this hour, just a trivia. 67-year-old German man who drew his dead brother's pension for 26 years after taking on his identity was unmasked after police stopped him for driving without a seatbelt. During checks, it emerged that just after his death, the man assumed the identity of his older brother, who has been resting in peace in Regensburg Cemetery since he passed away in 1979. Thanks to the physical similarity between the siblings, the imposter pulled off the switch by renewing his dead brother's passport. He continued to use his real name on occasion. Police uncovered the ruse, because of records showing the younger man was wanted for repeatedly failing to settle a minor bill. Although the car, his driver's license, and other particulars were made out to his brother, the man's surname aroused police suspicions, and eventually he confessed the scam. Police said that uh, it had likely netted him at least uh, 100,000 euros or 119,000 in real money. Real money. The rest is just plain money. What are you thinking? Monopoly money. Monopoly yeah, have you money. been to Europe? You know, you're from Europe. Yeah. The Deutsche Mark's no the, longer in the, Those fucking weird-ass fucking money they have over there, man. What's up with that? All kinds cool. of wacky colors and yeah, all man. kinds of funky sizes. And that's another thing. How do you get those fucking bills in your wallet? <laughs> They have different shapes. They got a yeah, <laughs> not not this fucking shape, man. These things are like the size of a fucking. Uh, that's definitely not a Sasquatch foot. That's not a German one, yeah. No, but some of these bills are way out of line. Oh yeah, and they're fruity. Overcompensation. Japanese Buddhist priest who was arrested. Here's another example of what we're talking about. 
on suspicion of having paid sex with a teenage girl, said he was under stress and had given in to lust. Now, I ask you, what kind of fucking stress does a monk have? Whether to burn or whether not to burn. That's true. That's the only question. Itsuhi Ihara, 73, chief priest at a temple in the western Japanese prefecture of Hiroshima and also head of a nursery school, paid the, well, duh, that's a no-brainer, head of the nursery school, paid the 15-year-old girl 80,000 yen, or about $675, to have sex in a downtown uh, uh, Tokyo hotel. I couldn't resist my lust. A lot of stress built up from running the school. Ihara was quoted by Kyoto News Agency as telling the cops. Ihara, who is believed to have met the girl through a prostitute dispatch service, is also suspected of having paid for sex with several other teenage girls over a period of two to three years. So he's been fucking whores. What harm does it do? Obviously, uh, the, the chick was 15. That, that we can't have. Japan has had a long, uh, relatively lax attitude towards that. I believe it's okay for children to have sex with children, but not for grown-ups to have sex with children. Japan had long uh, had a relatively lax attitude towards sexual exploitation of young people. Teenage prostitution, known as compensated dating, was outlawed in 1999. Can you imagine? They only got around to making fucking teenagers for money illegal in 1999. But it still goes on, though less openly than before. So they're still fucking the children for the money. We do have to protect the children from, you know, the, the big uh, scary penises. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, when I was a child, I was fucking other children. You know, other teenagers. <laughs> Fucked everything that moved. <laughs> and, if it, and, and if it moved, sometimes I would nail it down and then fuck it. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? No, no, I stuck to women. <laughs> Although I did on several occasions have an opportunity to have sex with men, I've always uh, gratefully declined. Gratefully. Yeah. And then, I, and then I wouldn't be able to get a boner for several days. <laughs> How noble of you. Yeah, I don't want no to say I wasn't flattered, you know. I'm sure if, I, you know, if the idea of testicles hanging in front of my face was an attractive thing to me, then I would be, uh, you know... Uh, Flattered, but uh, that just puts me off. Well, you have to admire their goals at least. <laughs> Everyone needs a goal in their life. I got nothing against the homos. <laughs> just don't bend over in front of them. Just don't drop the soap. That's my advice to you. I think that's a great movie they came out with uh, last year, Homo on the Range. Oh, <laughs> broken on your back. Now? Yeah, broken on your back. I didn't actually see the movie, but I saw enough clips, you know, that I feel like I've seen the movie. Watching the Oscars. Sorry. Watching the Oscars the and Jeff. the Letterman and the Leno. I've seen all the clips. I believe that they refer to that as the gay easy rider now. 
That's their. Uh, it's, it's not even close. Get yes, it's, easy, it's right? Their, it's what they used to recruit people with now. They used to give you a toaster and a and a triangle, and now you get broke back. Now. I don't believe that the homos are actively recruiting. I think that that's a silly notion. I know. I know uh, that if you're in a group I don't of believe any. I don't believe anybody recruits. I don't think the homos are actually that organized. <laughs> First of all, and second of all, they're not all the same people. They're all different people. Ten percent of all uh, of, uh, humans are homosexual by nature, and maybe that's the same throughout nature. So it's a form of population control. <laughs> Your two dogs are <laughs> homos. Yes, my, my dogs are <laughs> the are twins, and they're very happy about that. You know, they're they're very willing to share that with anyone that wants to watch. In many species, um, homosexuality. <laughs> is, um, you know, because of uh, cultural or convenience. So the dogs or the animals will become homo because there's not enough bitches around. But some animals won't have sex with the opposite sex. They're just strictly homosexual. Interesting. So the, the homosexuality is a perfectly normal, natural thing. It's another version of the same uh, species but there are variations. There are variations. You know, not everybody likes the same flavor of chocolate. How come, you know, uh, same flavor of ice cream. How come nobody has a problem with that? Uh, some people like vanilla. Some people like chocolate. People don't go, why don't you like vanilla? Have you tried to like vanilla? Have you tried to stop liking chocolate? Hey, I like fucking chocolate. Well, chocolate bothers God, okay? <laughs> what? Am I hurting anybody? God, you're hurting God. What is his stance on strawberry ice cream? <laughs> he loves it. Well, just some more proof that he loves only certain people, the ones that follow the right people and donate to the right causes. You know, we all need our pension funds while God's answering our questions. That's a fact. Everybody's got God on their side. This one goes out to Sid the neighbor. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from the secret location outside your universe. If you haven't heard of me, I wouldn't be surprised. I bet you know my relatives. Their names will never die. My mother is a saint, and my brother is a god. But all I am is Jesus, Brother Bob. Jesus, Brother Bob. Jesus, Brother Bob. A nobody relative of the Son of God. If only I'd been born just a little sooner, I'd be more than the brother of God, Junior. I have to pay the ferry to cross the Galilee. But not my brother. No, not him. He walks across for free. I finally get to work about a quarter after nine. Already he's turning water into wine. Jesus, Brother Bob, Jesus, Brother Bob, a nobody relative of the Son of God. If only I'd been born just a little sooner, I'd be more than the brother of God, Junior.
One day when I was home, I heard a mighty roar. There were a thousand people right outside the door. Came the cheering from the mob. But then they got a look at me. Oh, nuts, it's only Bob. Jesus, brother Bob. Jesus, brother Bob. Nobody would give up the Son of God. If only I'd been born just a little sooner, I'd be more than the brother of God to he, he died up on the cross. I thought that I was free. Finally, people would get to know me for me. Hi, Bob. Hey, Judas. Hey. This was my big chance to finally get ahead. The next thing you know, he's rising from the dead. Jesus, brother Bob, Jesus, brother Bob. Nobody relative of the Son of God. If only I'd been born just a little sooner, I'd be more than the brother of God. Everybody, Jesus, brother Bob, Jesus, brother Bob. Nobody relative of the Son of God. If only I'd been born just a little sooner, I'd be more than the brother of God. Junior. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We're the Arrogant Worms, and we're going to uh, continue our musical assault <laughs> in the following manner. Every waking hour I'm 
Eye movements on Jester Radio, losing my religion, arrogant worms. Before that, Jesus' brother Bob goes out to Sid the neighbor, the world famous Sid the neighbor, whose name is spoken in over 137 countries each and every evening. The world now has a record 793 billionaires, up 15 percent from a year ago, with a rising number in India, Russia, Brazil, and the Middle East. As well as, as well as more women, according to the uh, Forbes magazine yesterday. Soaring stock oil and commodities prices increased their combined net worth to $2.6 billion, I mean trillion, excuse me, <laughs> with a T, as 114 individuals joined the exclusive club, including 10 more women for a total of 78. A billion just isn't what it used to be, said Forbes associate editor Louis Kroll, presenting the 20th annual list. At a New York news conference, Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates topped the list for a record 12th year in a row with a net worth estimated at $50 billion. Followed by the perennial number two, Warren Buffett, the famed uh, investor of Berkshire Hathaway, worth $42 billion. Mexican industrialist Carlos Slim, 
moved into the number three spot at 30, just ahead of Sweden's IKEA founder, the guy with all the furniture, Ingvar Kamprad. He's worth $28 billion, measly $28 bill. Uh-huh. But in Sweden, it doesn't go as far. Man, Sweden is one of the most expensive countries in the world. 70% income tax. Holy. 7 Do you think uh, if Bill Gates already hasn't, but do you think he's ever going to get into government? I tell you, man, I don't know. I don't think he's really would be good at that. I don't think he thinks he'd be good at that. I think Bill Gates really hit his sweet spot. He is what he is. He's a stoner from the 70s who is very, um, you know, zealous about starting this business, Microsoft, and he had fucking brass balls. He wrote the very first operating system that I used, Basic 2.0, was written by Bill Gates. It was a 4K operating system, the entire operating system. Now, of course, Windows XP consists of 19,000-some-odd files and is almost 2 gig, 2 gigabytes of storage. The operating system that I first used when I started in 1979, started fucking with computers, was Basic 2.0, and it fit in 4K, 4,000 bytes, the whole operating system. That's and Bill Gates wrote that. And he started a little company called Microsoft, and he bought that uh, flight simulator. That was their first product. They bought it from Bruce Artwick, and they distributed it, and it was a huge hit, and they made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, the fucking president of IBM decided that he was going to build a, a, a personal computer after years of saying there was no such thing as a personal computer. And nobody would ever have any need for a personal computer. But he saw that it was, you know, taken off. <laughs> and he wanted to get on the bandwagon. So he sent out his vice president to go to uh, CPM in Seattle, you know, uh, um, the company that made CPM which was the number one operating system. And the guy kept him waiting for like four hours. He was late from the airport. And his wife said, you know what? Let's get the fuck out of here. And they looked, you know, basically in the phone book, you know, he called his office and said, who else do they have out here in Seattle that does fucking software? They said, well, there's this little game company called Microsoft. And he ran over there and Bill Gates said, fuck yeah, we could write you an operating system. (laughs) Of course. Don't worry about it. We'll call it uh, PC Disk Operating System, PC DOS. And they said, by Jove, I like it. So they left the office. They shook hands. They left the office, and Bill Gates picked up the phone, and he called another company across town. And he said, hey, you know that operating system you got? I'll give you 15000 bucks for it. <laughs> and they said, Sold. <laughs> They didn't know anything. He called, he they renamed it PC DOS. He fucking licensed it to IBM and he made a deal at the last second. He said, Look, I just I got a crazy idea. I would like to retain the rights to the operating system. You could still use it, but I want to have retained the rights so that I can license it to any other company who wants to use it. And the IBM people said, Why would anybody else want to use it? If they'd have to be, in other words, they'd have to be using a computer that was an exact clone of the IBM. Who's going to make an IBM clone? And Bill Gates said, Right. So let me have the rights. And then, of course, the IBM clones became so, you know, had such a huge share of the market that IBM eventually was forced out of the business. 
And they no longer make IBM clones. Everybody else did. <laughs> and that's how Bill Gates, you know, was a smart motherfucker. <laughs> right. He had the idea to fucking retain, to license something to IBM and keep the fucking rights so they can license it to their competition. Who would have fucking thought of that? So I think he hit his sweet spot. He did the right thing. He was very smart cookie. I don't think he was at, he's I think he's actually is what he seems to be. He's a complete and total fucking nerd. And I don't think he'd be a great, you know, leader of men. Fair enough. Well, he's got to be better than Bush. <laughs> he's definitely got to be better than Bush, but I still wouldn't want him running the company. Try to pull his strings. We'll give you money. He's like, eh. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't. You just can't. He's untouchable, man. What can you give me that? I don't know. That's have. true. That's very true. North Wales police couldn't believe their eyes when a camera at a notorious accident spot caught a driver using both hands to put on her makeup. Donna Maddock, 22, was filmed as she drove through A499, one of Britain's most dangerous roads. She held a mirror in her left hand and an eye pencil in her right, leaving the steering wheel to itself. She was fined 200 pounds or 350 real dollars with 55 pounds costs and six penalty points added to her driver's license after admitted careless driving in Heli Magistrate's Court. A car is a dangerous lump of metal in the wrong hands. You need to be controlled at all times, said Miss Maddox's actions beggars belief. And Inspector Isaiah Hari said in a statement, a police spokeswoman said the camera has been set up because of the large numbers of collisions and deaths on that particular stretch of road. That's like Secretary Road, you know, where all the fucking bitches are coming in late to work. Secretary Curve. Secretary Curve. Secretary Death Curve. It's to catch speeding drivers. But when officers saw the film of her applying her makeup, it was also obvious that she was committing a careless act. So anybody that's ever driven in a car with a fucking woman has seen her do things, man. They drive with their feet and put on fucking makeup. They have no, and they just do the wackiest shit. Not to, you know, be misogynist about it, but women suck at driving. <laughs> it's true, though. What are you going to do? Coming up next set, uh, Jester Trivia. Gardner's daughter stopped me on my way on the day I was to wed. It is you who I wish to share my body with, she said. We'll find a dry place under the sky with a flower for a bed. And for my joy, I will give you a boy with the moon and star on his head. The birth of another god on Just Radio. daughter stopped me on my way on the day I was to wed. It is you who I wish to share my body with, she said. We'll find a dry place under the sky with a flower for a bed. And for my joy, I will give you a boy with a moon and star. On his head
Her silver hair flowed in the air, laying waves across the sunlight. Her hands were like the white sands, and her eyes had diamonds on. We left the road and headed up to the top of the Whisper Wood. And we walked till we came to where the Holy Magnolia stood. There we lay, cool in the shade, singing songs and making love. With the naked earth beneath us and the universe above. My wedding wouldn't wait I was sad but I had to go So while she was asleep I kissed her cheek for cheerio The wedding took place And people came from many miles around There was plenty merriment, cider and wine abound. But out of all that I recall, I remember the girl I met. Cause she had given me something that my heart could not forget. The year passed and everything was just as it was the year before or as it was the year before until the gift that someone left. Basket by my door And in there lay the fairest little baby Crying to be fed I got down on my knees And kissed the moon and stars On his head Years went by, the boy grew high, and the village up on 
working on They'd never seen anything like the boy With the moon and star before And people would ride far and wide Just to seek the word he spread I'll tell you everything I've learned And love is all He said Years had passed and everything was just as it was the year before until the gift that someone left. A basket by my door. And in there lay the fairest little baby crying to be fed. And I got down on my knees and kissed the moon and star on his head. The story of the birth of Mohammed, the boy with the moon and star on his head, from Cat Stevens, uh, who, of course, became Ishlamachad Machachmachach, and is now a national terror, international terrorist. Because, uh, you know, he had so much to fucking offer, man. Listen to how gorgeous that song is. And during the process that he was converting, he thought, you know, oh, this is a beautiful religion. It's all about peace and love. And he wrote this beautiful song. And right away, the fucking imams, you know, went to him and they said, oh, you're a Muslim. You know, it's sinful to write this fucking secular music about peace and love. You should only write music in praise of Allah. And then the chicks make that fucking noise. Have you ever heard, uh, you know, like Iraqi music where the chicks do that yodeling thing? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. That's music. <laughs> they do that fucking yodeling bit. That's what they said you have to do now. Oh, you have great. to yodel for a living. And he said, okay, man. Okay, if, why not? If that's what God wants me to do. They convinced him that God didn't want him singing about peace and love. You know, he wrote that song, Peace Train, which was an amazing, fucking beautiful song. And uh, and then that was the last we heard of him for 15 years, and then he shows up on the fucking watch list. And uh, it turns out he's been shuffling money back and forth between terrorist groups. And it's too bad, man, because he, you know, was a great fucking artist. The human mind is a fucked up thing. Yeah, back in 1975, time now for uh, Jester Trivia. Back in 1965, Dylan was recording Blonde on Blonde at the Columbia Studio uh, re uh, Record Studios in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And um, at the very same time, Chris Christopherson was also uh, working in the studio. What was Chris doing? What was Chris Christopherson's job uh, at the uh, 1965 uh, recording sessions with Bob Dylan for the Blonde on Blonde album uh, in Nashville, Tennessee? Be the first one to get the correct answer into uh, uh, trivia at jesterradio.com. And something very special happened to you. And by the way, Bob the Engineer has asked me to remind you Can't to please stop honor. by... 
the Jester Radio webpage at www.jesterradio.com. Keeping in mind, all the while, there are two R's in that URL. And when you arrive, you'll be transported to a magical land where you can explore the many wonders of JesterRadio.com, including a killer lyric section, uh, some of which uh, feature actual uh, recordings of the uh, lyrics of the tunes that you can listen to. Uh, and there's also uh, the uh, world-famous Jester Radio Tchotchke store, which um, features uh, genuine JR crap. So load up on that. The holidays are coming, and uh, the, 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 the children, for God's <laughs> sake, people, think of the children. Think of the children. Think of the children. And while you're also there, please mash on the Jester Radio donation button. Um, and uh, also keep those cards and letters coming. Extra special thanks go out to all those tuned in from the United States, Canada, Germany, United Kingdom, China, Japan, China, People's Republic of, Saudi Arabia, Australia. They're probably drinking those big-ass fucking beers. The oil cans. The oil cans. While they're listening. South Africa, Antigua, and Barbuda, Argentina, Malaysia, the Slovak Republic, and Sweden. And, of course, special thanks to uh, Sid the Neighbor. And uh, thanks to uh, the Lord of Sin and uh, his bud, Rebel Without a Cause, Rebel Radio. Uh, check out uh, Sin Brothers at audiorealm.com and check out his extra funny show, which is on each evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Is that is that not right? That's that correct. is correct. There you go. <laughs> And uh, enjoy that. He's a very, very funny dude. He's kind of gay, but I think, you know, that's fine. That's I have yeah. nothing. Gay is funny. It <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. An elderly man spent at least three days in his vehicle on the side of a busy Canadian highway before anyone, including police, who checked the car's license plate, realized he was fucking dead. Passing motorists discovered the man's body after deciding to check the vintage model car on the Trans-Canada Highway near uh, Abbotsford, British Columbia on Sunday to see if it was for sale. He just wanted to take a peek and see if it was any, if he could get in on the deal. The car's license number was checked by passing police on Friday and Saturday to make sure it was not stolen, but the officers apparently didn't stop to inspect it because it was not impeding traffic. Officials believe the 75-year-old man became ill and pulled off to the side of the highway, which is used by hundreds of Vancouver-area motorists each day. They say then uh, probably slumped down in his seat and expired. A lot of people drove past the vehicle. It's just unfortunate that it took the circumstances that it did to find the gentleman, said Constable Steve Hisco of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I guess they finally got their man. Man's dog was also in the vehicle, but survived the ordeal unharmed. So there's like a universal all across the world. People are going, oh, the doggy's okay. The old man died, people. There's a dead old man. Oh, the doggy is okay. Bad news is, old man croaked. Good news, we still got the dog. (laughs) Oh, it's the dog. And let me tell you, man, what kind of fucking life must you be living that nobody notices you're missing for three fucking days? Wasn't he on his way somewhere? Poor bastard. That's what's going to happen. To me, man, that's the (laughs) fucking scariest thing is to die all alone like that out in the middle of nowhere. 
It would take him months to realize I was uh, gone. You know, I, I realized that yeah. once I'm dead, that's Years. the end of that. I'm not kidding myself about that. Once you're dead, you're dead as a doornail. You don't know shit. It's all over. But that ending part, man, must be really fucking scary. And I definitely want to be surrounded, you know. Or I want to be fucking going my sleep. I think that's, you know, probably the fucking best way. If I had my druthers, you know, I'd rather go peacefully in my sleep the way my grandfather did, not screaming in terror the way his passengers did. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. You know that God knows the number of every grain of sand? What kind of fucking super genius is this God? Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. In the time of my confession In the hour of my deepest need When the pool of tears beneath my feet Flood every newborn seed There's a dying voice within me Reaching out somewhere Toiling in the danger To look back on any mistake Like Cain I now behold This chain of events that I must break In the fury of the moment I can see the Master's hand In every leaf that trembles In every grave Oh, the flowers of indulgence And the weeds of yesteryear Like criminals they have choked the breath Of conscience in good cheer The sun beat down upon the steps Of time to light the way To ease the pain of idleness Away of temptation's angry flame, and every time I pass that way, I always hear my name. Then onward in my journey, I come to understand that every hair is numbered like every grain.
Is just around the bend. He 
if ever you're in trouble, just reach out for his hand. He's by your side, your constant guide, and quick to understand. You will find happiness if you let him be your friend, and you'll find that success is just around the bend. He'll lighten your load as you walk life's road. So walk with faith in your heart. The Bachelors on Jester Radio giving you a good hard sell on why you should believe in God. Because you imagine who would fucking turn down an offer like that? Wherever I go, there's this fucking monster in the sky that gives a shit about me and looking down on me. What a cool fantasy. And he's thinking, oh, I'm looking out for little Stevie and little Bobby and little Stewie. What a cool thought. The operation on the toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a nice, what, what, a, what a great fucking thing that would be. And I tell you, man, you know, uh, sometimes I think, uh, you know, God really has an end for me. I do. What do you what do you think that? I mean I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Jess, you don't even believe in God. <laughs> right. Where, well, don't, yes. where the hell are you coming from? <laughs> but I think that's why he has it in for me. Oh yeah. You see what I'm saying? Gonna, you, think about it. You're gonna shit your pants when you see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> you're like, Oh, there's a way up. Holy moly. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. No, I think that when you die, you just fucking fist, you fizzle out. And uh, there's no scientific evidence uh, that I've been shown to uh, substantiate otherwise. And, you know, it doesn't even make sense. There's no science behind, you know, like this magical force that lives inside your skin then transports far, far away to a place where people float around with wings and walk on clouds. I mean, come on. I don't fucking think so. Some good herb back in the day. Well, they had people that were bored. Believe in that the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, these people could walk on the clouds and whatnot because they had to explain thunder, thunder and lightning. You know, they, they had to have a reason for everything out in the world. You know, everything had some guy that was a god to it and he controlled it. So that's why they had to make up the people walking on the clouds with the wings and... Stuff to give them a life purpose. And uh, uh, I read a survey recently that says that uh, it's like 75%. I mean, maybe I'm, uh, I'm getting the figures mi mixed up, but it's some ungodly number, like 68% of all Americans believe in angels. They believe that, uh, that these holy messengers come down from heaven and, like, you know, look over their shoulders and protect them, like when they go on a job interview. The people flying into the Twin Towers, they couldn't be bothered with, but they're there for you when you get your hammer toes looked at by the podiatrist. You ever see those bumper stickers that say, uh, don't drive faster than your angel can fly? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the airplanes were going too the, fast. Yes, the, the plane was going too fast for them. They, they couldn't follow closely. What a fucking world we people live in. I tell you, Lord of Sin, I honestly don't know what the hell you were thinking when you were born. Yeah. into this world because 
I, I think, you know, we should have waited maybe another couple of thousand years. And then we'd, you know, look, we'd, we'd talk about how quaint it was that back in the old days that, you know, all the people used to get together one day a week and, and, and beg for shit from some monster in the sky <laughs> that saw everything and knew everything and, uh, you know, uh, you know, held their hand. You read this fucking uh, religious poetry, man. It makes me want to vomit. When I looked at the sand, I saw two feet, and then there was three feet, but then there was only two feet. But that was when, dear Lord, you were carrying me. Oh, Lord Almighty. And I tell you, I was uh, on the corner of, um, you know, in the, um, down in the... Um, <laughs> Right there, right? In New Orleans, you know, what's that uh, funky district called? French Quarters. French Quarter. You know where all the whorehouses are. The chicks, like, swing in the fucking window with no panties on. French Quarter. And uh, I'm standing on the fucking corner, man. I'm waiting for somebody. And there's this big fucking black woman, kind of looks like Bessie, standing next to me, has on this big flowery print dress. And she's holding like a big fucking old worn out book under one arm. And she's just standing there on the corner, just sort of like sort of pumping herself up for like a, like a couple of minutes. And then finally she let, she, she just fucking lets out a fucking yell at the top of her lungs. She goes, everybody left me except Jesus. And I said, holy shit, I had a front row seat to this fucking wackadoodle. And she went on for like an hour and a half trying to tell the fucking people walking down the street, man, that Jesus saved her life and Jesus told her to get out on the fucking streets and tell everybody else. Now, why aren't we putting these fucking people in the ha-ha hotel? Because... We say to ourselves, well, she's preaching the fucking word of the gospel, man. She's out there fucking telling the truth. Somebody who's obviously fucking mentally ill, standing on the street corner, shouting at the top of lungs, but she's chosen to shout the right thing. She shouts about Jesus, and that's acceptable. We all have this emperor's new clothes kind of guilt somewhere inside of us that we can't shut them up we can't fucking stop these fucking nuns from begging in the train station because they're begging for money for god it's for god if it was some filthy bum we'd spit in his fucking face so it's acceptable because they sell you some horse shit the religion is just another business, folks. And nobody knows better than the people in the business. They're the ones raping the children. They know that it's just a fucking hoax. The day after September 11th, it, you, I walked down Fifth Avenue on September 12th, 2001, and I walked past, you know, maybe half a dozen churches, and all the fucking rabbis and priests were standing out in front on the street, like dressed up in their fucking regalia with their chests puffed out. You know, almost as if to say, yes, 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 the world is coming to an end. Come on in. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. They were, they were fucking beaming. They were overjoyed that they knew that this is where the people will run when they have the questions like, why did this happen? How do we fucking change it? What do we do? Let's fucking consult the monster in the sky and see what he says. Because... 
people are so fucking scared and they're so fucking desperate and we're built to ask these questions we're born one of the first fucking thoughts we have is who am i what am i doing here how did i get here what am i supposed to be doing because we have all this free will should i go left or right should i fucking uh, you know put the hospital corners on the fucking bed or just fucking sleep on the mattress Every fucking little decision we have to fucking make on our own. We have these huge oversized brains. We can't do shit. We can't fucking, you know, run down fucking cougars. And we can't fucking reach the fruit up in the fucking trees. Our skin is so fucking, you know, thin that we have to wear clothes to stay warm. But we have these massive fucking brains. And with them, we can build all this fucking shit, and we can live in houses, and we can have cool shit. Look around your house. Look around you right now. There's not a single fucking thing within your sight that you make or even know the guy who made it. That's how complicated the world is. And you fucking look in the fucking mirror when you go to bed at night, and you brush your teeth, and you ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing here? And it's really complicated because we don't fucking know yet. We don't know shit. We're just starting to get to know shit. And it's a fucking big mystery. But in the meantime, let's just say we don't know. Not, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, it could be that this, you know, you ask a five-year-old, how did the M&Ms get on the floor? You know, they'll go, well, uh, a a, a lion came in the window and I told him not to touch the M&Ms. And he said, and they make up these fucking elaborate horseshit stories because they just fucking make sense. And this is what we do with religion. We make up these horseshit stories and and we placate ourselves and we say, yes, yes, this is why I'm here. I was born to fucking, my calling is to, you know, serve slop to the fucking homeless, and so I could justify my existence in the fucking world. Maybe there is no justification. Maybe the same reason we're here is the same reason there's fucking gas floating around Mars, and it's the same fucking reason that the ants are fucking crawling, because it just happened. It just happened. That's what happened in the universe. Over the course of the 18 gabillion fucking, you know, eternities that the universe has been there, this is part of the shit that fucking happened. Just be grateful that you got to be a part of it. Somehow all these fucking molecules came from hither and yon and they became you and you get to fucking live this fucking life. You have this flash, this instant, like a match. It'll be over before you know it. And that'll be it. And a hundred trillion years from now, you will only then just start being dead forever. So live your fucking life. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That's my solemn oath to you. And until that time, Houston, be good to each other. You know I love you. That's why I miss you already. Good night. See you tomorrow.
Uh, yeah, and special thanks uh, go out to Sid the Neighbor, uh, who got the uh, trivia question. Of course, what was um, Chris Christopherson doing in the studio in 1965 during uh, the... Uh, Blonde on Blonde sessions. And of course, he was the janitor. He was sweeping up. Special thanks go out to Sid the Neighbor uh, and uh, all you guys. Oh, and the Lord of Sin and the Rebel Without a Cause. Uh, check out at audiorealm.com. Search for the Sin Brothers and check out the show uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Um, Eastern Time. Uh, featuring the Rebel Without a Cause. What's the name of the show? Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. Check it out. Good night, folks. Come to me and say, Steve, how can you be so fucking funny? (laughs)